0: Welcome to episode five of the Ballers Blog podcast, where me and Ollie are joined by England Cricket and Yorkshire Diamonds captain Lauren Winfield as we discuss the 100 and that 2017 World Cup win. So I'm delighted to say me and Ollie are joined by Lauren Winfield of England Cricket and Yorkshire Diamonds. How are you at the moment in lockdown, Lauren?
1: Yeah, not too bad really. I think I've got it quite lucky compared to some because i got stuck out here in australia um, and it hasn't seemed to have been hit quite as hard as what the uk has so in a lot of sense i'm quite lucky that i've still been able to do a fair bit of my training and get out and about a little bit more
0: so apart from training you've been up to much else being productive
1: um i have actually i've been using the time to do some like personal development stuff so I've done, um, I'm doing my strength and conditioning level four. um, And I've been doing a a course on commentary and presenting. Um, So, yeah, just kind of like we always say, oh, you know, I'll do that. I'd like to study that when I've got time or "I'll, I'll do that course when I've got time. And it's like, well, this is the absolute perfect opportunity because we've got so much time. Um, yeah so yeah it's been good to get my teeth stuck into something different really, and develop a different kind of area of yourself, an area of your life that you've you know you've not previously done before, so it's been good in that sense and gives you an opportunity, like i say the p c a has been pretty good in terms of getting um you know content content out there and encouraging everyone to you know keep up the the personal development stuff really.
0: You Do you spend a lot of time in Australia? I'm aware your partner, Courtney Hill, is Australian and you yes. featured in a couple of Big Bash series. So, is it kind of a second home now?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um, we were obviously out here for the World Cup and then we actually got married out here after the World Cup. So, um, we've just been out here ever since, really. A lot of the girls went back a week or so after the wedding. Um, a few of my family is still out here and a few went home last week, so... We're kind of, we've, a lot of us have been residing um, on the other side of the world at the minute, so, but yeah, like, um, I spend at least a couple of months here every winter, so it, it does feel a little bit like home away from time, really.
0: I'm sure the weather's probably a lot better than it is in Yorkshire at the moment.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> to be fair, it's like all the Aussies are saying, oh, it's getting a bit cool of the morning, and, you know, you, you put your longs on in the house at night, and I'm thinking this is like the hottest day of the year in England. It's like, you guys need a reality check. But apparently it's been all right over there. My mum and dad were saying that the weather's actually not been too bad, has it? It's been
0: mixed. Yeah, we've got away with it. We've had a few good sunny days. Yeah. So, obviously, the recent news came out about the 100 being postponed till next year. You were set to captain... The Northern Superchargers side. What? What's? Has it been a bit of a stressful time at the moment with the, the uncertainty of what's really happening? And what was kind of the initial reaction?
1: Yeah, pretty gutted. I think a lot of players were looking forward to. I, like I for I one always loved playing in the kind of the franchise and domestic competitions because it, it just gives you an opportunity to play with a lot of a lot of like homegrown Yorkshire players, but then a lot of younger players from different kind of regions and you know it's a really important competition for developing women's cricket in England and obviously you know it was an opportunity to be up there and and kind of amongst it with showcase with the men which is which is disappointing that that's not going to go ahead but you know in the grand scheme of things it it makes a lot of obvious sense and I don't know what the situation is in terms of like rolling over contracts and stuff like that the the thing, like, I would be really keen to... Obviously, we've managed to, you know, for example, we managed to sign Alyssa Healy. I would love it if she, you know, rolled on to the next year and was still available. And you'd still... I guess the only thing is, you, you know, you're worried if you can pin down as, as strong a squad a year on. Um, but hopefully, you know, those players are still committed to the club and that was the teams that they wanted to play for initially. So, providing that you know, they don't retire, they'll um, they'll hopefully still be keen.
0: As you mentioned, it's kind of a, a big opportunity missed almost for women's cricket and growing the sport. Um, given that it was going to be broadcast some games on the BBC, does it f- feel like kind of a, a blow for the sport and kind of the momentum it was gathering from the World Cup?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think you've seen it grow year upon year. Obviously, the Super League did a great job of um, you know, getting to set on on women's cricket, and that was a really good uh, brand and comp, you know competition. I think the other thing as well you've got to remember is we're very lucky that we're centrally contracted players. So although we've given a voluntary pay cut for this period of um, of COVID, you know we're still financially secure um, and still have the opportunity to train every day. I think you know when we take our own hats off and look at you know some of the other girls that were playing it, playing in that competition, that is as much money as they're gonna earn in three years playing cricket. You know some of the contracts that um, the local players they have never been offered that kind of money to play cricket in their lives, and I think you know for a lot of for a lot of the girls. That would go a long way to pay your rent and a mortgage and and that kind of thing as well. So there's all those other financial losses for a lot of the players. I mean we're quite like I said, we're quite lucky that we we have a fair amount of financial security with our contracts, but you know there's a lot of a lot of players that have missed out on anywhere between five and 10 grand in in a heartbeat really.
0: You mentioned okay. the, uh, the growth of women's cricket there, but in terms of women's sport more widely, cricket seems to have led the way in terms of growth. Why, why do you think that is?
1: Um, I don't know, really. I think people always ask that, like, that question in terms of like growing the game, how do you grow the game? And I think like a lot of it, I think, was down to that 2017 win at home, that World Cup. I think, essentially, people wanted to see teams doing well. Um, and they want to see, you know, England having success um, or their local teams having success. And that's what attracts players to come back. So I think the way in which women's cricket's played now has moved on in terms of, you know, it's a lot more appealing. It's, a, you know, there's, you know, bigger hits, bowlers are bowling quicker, fielders are more athletic, et cetera. So as a brand and as um, a product, it's much better. It's much improved. And I think, you know, that it's just about opportunity. Everyone just wants an opportunity to play and to play a good standard of cricket that is well supported. And I think for years and continued is county cricket's kind of... it's The standard is really dying out and the support from the clubs is really dying out. So, you know, the the fantastic thing about the Super League was that it was so well supported. There was monetary... You know value for players, which wasn't a lot, but it was more than nothing. Every team had a physio, a strength and conditioning coach, a head coach, an assistant coach, and it had a real professional feel to it um, and that was a huge step up from the support that you get at county level um, so I think you know it's it's about better support systems from the clubs um, making those female players part of the club, not just tag ons. They have the right to to represent the you know, their county and their clubs as, as much as any male does and the support should back that up. Um, but a lot of the time, you know, girls just or anybody, you just want the opportunity to be able to play to the best level that you can and and now that that, that bridging gap between obviously county and England has enabled a lot of girls to to do that.
0: The reaction kind of to the postponement of the tournament was almost, well, looking through Twitter, there there was kind of, it was more all about the men's game and how it was almost a blessing in disguise that it had been cancelled due to the criticism it had come under. Do you think critics were too quick to react to that and not to really consider the growth it would have given the women's game, as well as kind of, as you mentioned earlier, the financial element for players?
1: Yeah, hugely. I think, you know, people forget and I understand that it was, you know, it's a a different format of the game and a lot of the traditionalists are are against it and can't see how it was necessary and all those things. But, you know, if you look at the bigger picture in terms of because it was a new format, the amount of money that was then pumped into it through TV rights, you know, through different um, clubs and sponsorships, etc., that that, that um, revenue that that caused would not have been possible to create that with the T20 Blast. So th- the fact that they created a new format just meant that there was so much more money to put into the game. So, you know, that's huge for someone like Sophia Dunkley, who's obviously had a taste of international cricket, but hasn't then played a lot since. She needs a competition like that to be able to show the world and to show, you know, England how good she she can be. She also has now finished university and has no job because she's relying on hopefully getting a contract to then being a semi-professional cricketer. So now you've got players in no man's land who essentially are unemployed. Um, And I think that's the bit that's been disappointing. A lot of people have forgotten that, you know, for a lot of the blokes, they've got contracts with their counties they're still professional sports people for a lot of the girls they're now not and they're in a real you know kind of ghost town as to what do you do, do you sit tight for another year and i don't know get a, a job to tide you over or do you park your cricket dreams or whatever so i think the the brutal reality of a lot of you know the women below um centrally contracted England players have literally just gone from being a semi-professional cricketer employed to unemployed with no real um, income at all from sport. And that's the harsh reality of the women's game, unfortunately.
0: To me, the kind of concept and the critics almost seem similar to when the women's ashes series was changed format from test to test t20 in one day yeah. does that kind of feel that way
1: yeah i think so i think you know it's just like it, that nobody likes change um and everyone you know in different walks of life or you know whether it's in your gym program or your pre-game routine or whatever it is it's human instinct to almost not like change we like to be comfortable and we like to be familiar, especially I feel like as British people, um, I don't know if that's a bit of a bold statement, but um, we certainly <laughs> seem to be a bit more stubborn and set in our ways. Um, so, you know, when something comes along that's a little bit different, the natural tendency is to go, well, that won't work. I don't like that. We don't need change. It's fine as it is. Um And until you see the product and what it can offer, then that's always going to be the opinion. Um, But at the end of the day, you know, the the purpose of the 100 is to get world-class players back playing in England and make it an attractive product where you have the absolute best players in the world and the best players in the country, Um, you know, going head-to-head. And unfortunately, we didn't have that, you know, without the 100.
0: Like these kind of the start of the 100 would have been a watershed moment for and watershed year for women's cricket, much like the 2017 World Cup when there was 180 million watching on TV on the final and there was a sellout crowd. Does that show why it is so important to make sure the 100 goes ahead next year? Hopefully, it will after everything's hopefully gone away. Um, but that surge in participation, how, it, how important is it to get those young female cricketers into the It is. The it's so
1: important that it's accessible to them, whether it be to buy tickets and come watch the games or to turn TV on and, and watch, you know, watch games on TV and aspire to want to be the next generation of cricketers. They, it's like anything. You have to see it to believe it. So it's so important that young males and females grow up watching women's football, women's cricket, you know, netball, hockey, whatever it is on TV. So they can grow up with the aspiration and say, you know, that can be me. I could, I could be on TV representing my country and kind of plant that seed. If they can't see it and it's not accessible, it's going to be really hard for them to want to become it um, or even to just be a, become a fan of it. So I think it's so important. I think the TV coverage thing is massive; it's monumental in terms of getting that exposure. And you know, it, it's 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 it's, be- it's much better as a player to have those people in the ground, so with bums on seats and creating the atmosphere. Um, but the you know the money of the, the TV rights um, brings in is is crucially important. But also the you know, the exposure, most people now have sports channels at home. Um, and if they're not if they're not able or then, you know, they don't want to go and watch it at ground, then they can watch on T V. Um, and that's that's just so important. As a kid I kind of grew up watching all the men play cricket and I I never really thought that I would be a professional sports person, cricketer. I never really thought that was kind of a possibility, or on the cards, and at the time it 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 massively wasn't. Um, but as soon as you are kind of surrounded by it and you see, you know, you might meet some of the England players, or you've watched, you know, watched a few games, then you can certainly it changes your your thought process on what's possible.
0: Do you think perhaps the given the current situation of there's no sport going on due to the coronavirus do you think maybe that might tell people maybe not to take cricket for granted especially women's sport and kind of it might mean they look to all sports and appreciate it
1: i hope so i hope this moment for a lot of people i think you know not just sport but i think it gives a it gives you opportunity to sit back and you know be grateful for what you have and to realize what you you know you've really missed and i think a lot of people will obviously realise how much they miss sport, supporting sport, watching sport, playing sport. Um, and hopefully, you know, when it returns, the spike in, in support and, and people, you know, out in the parks playing or, you know, going to training at their local clubs or coming to watch, you know, domestic games, international games or whatever. Hopefully people will kind of, Really buy into it and realize how much that it's it's truly been missing over these last few months.
0: So as we mentioned earlier, the kind of a big watershed year was 2017 with the World Cup. What was that whole tournament like in regards to growing the sport, and what what was that day like of the final? It was
1: such a surreal tournament, to be honest. It kind of felt like. It was meant to be. We went on a real journey from obviously losing that that first game to India, Um, and every game then on was kind of fighting by tooth and nail. And um, it just, yeah, like I say, it just it was surreal. But it just felt like it was meant to be. You know, we won so many close games that we probably had no right to win, but we somehow found a way. Um, And then. You know, waking up and heading to Lords on that morning, of the final, and seeing, you know, just how many people came to su- to support the game. Really, there was so many. There was a lot of Indian fans there, and there was a lot of noise. Um, but yeah, just a feeling you'll never ever forget. And like, even that final was, we kind of had no right to win from the position that that we were in. But it was just a testament to us always finding a way. And once again. You know, doing that, but to have a to have a packed out crowd at Lords with all your family and friends, and kind of doing that lap of honour at the end is, you know, that's they're the kind of moments that you you absolutely live for and and train train so hard for, really.
0: I think for me, the stand up performance of that final was obviously that spell from Anya Shrubsall Probably go down for me as one of the kind of best spells of bowling in English cricket history. Really, what was it like to be there on the pitch at the time whilst that was going oh, on? It was
1: unbelievable. It like you can, you kind of, you were like, is this really happening? You know, is this? Cause it kind of exploded the game, and it was at a point where we, you are in the field, and you thought, oh my god, is this game slipping away from us here? They're edging closer and closer to the total. And then, you know, as the as the screws started to turn and the game was kind of slowing, you know, the momentum towards, it was just so surreal that, you know, it was almost like, I can't believe what's going on. I can't believe what's happening right in front of our eyes. And I think the most amazing thing, and I think the biggest, like, message from any of that was that, and you hadn't really had... The best tournament with the ball. She'd struggled at times for rhythm, and you know she wasn't she wasn't in her the best headspace. But it just goes to show how quickly things change, and how you know anyone on their day, and things start to go, you know start to go your way. Um, anything's possible. But it was yeah, it was just phenomenal. Like as we started to take wickets, and the crowd were getting behind us, and I think they were getting a sense of. I don't know, you can feel the atmosphere, can't you, how the game's changing and um, momentum shifting. But it was, it was just, I can't quite believe what's happening in front of our eyes and is this game coming our way? Um, But yeah, it was was unbelievable. And like, Anya's a pretty understated person and, and, you know, she will never blow her own trumpet, but I think she'll be, you know, she'll look on look back on that day and those memories and be hugely proud of herself in her own little way
0: that england team at the time seemed such a tight-knit unit who were kind of the characters in it and what kind of i assume the celebrations afterwards were quite (laughs) big
1: well we actually couldn't get in anywhere afterwards because we all refused to take our playing kit off and no one, we couldn't get in anywhere. So we just ended up, we stayed at the ground for ages, just in the dressing room. And then um, we just went back to the hotel and just had drinks in the bar at the hotel. Because like I said, we were like, we're not taking our playing kit off. And we tried to get into a few different places, but nowhere was was having us in, 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 our, uh, in our playing kit. So we just, yeah, like I said, we just went back to the hotel. But in terms of that team it was a hugely special team and I think that it was one that was just on a complete journey that we knew exactly each other's roles. Um, We had a great understanding of this is your role. This is your role as a collective partnership, Um, whether it be batting or bowling, we're going to absolutely back you to the hills. Um, And we believe that you're the best people, you know, there to do that job and, um, it, was, it wasn't It was something that was built overnight, it was kind of, it almost felt like, you know how people say about Olympic cycle and you just you're at the start and then you're just building all the time, you're just building building and it felt like you know, series by series game by game um, we were just building and it, the, the focus was, all, was uh, to say it wasn't to win the World Cup would be the wrong thing to say but it was always just about how good can we be? How good can we be? Let's just keep, keep pushing ourselves. Let's see how good we can be. Um, and for each other. And there's just such a sense of a collective goal and, um, and yeah, just absolutely doing what the team needs and just seeing how, you know, how far we can go and how, far, how good we can be. And it was never, you know, it wasn't we'd had training sessions at Lord's and we'd spoken about, you know, building towards the world cup. Um, but it was always like, it was just planting the seeds at different points. Um, it was never like overly spoken about. It was almost just drip feeding. Okay. We're going to go to Lord's to train today because we're going to get familiar with it, you know, and, and that all those kind of things dripped in along the journey. Um, but yeah, it was a really special group and a really, like a you know, a really special team that was just, was just clear on their on their role to do for the team and then just going just going out there and doing that really. And I think that the blokes obviously with their one day um, world cup, you can see such similar traits in the way that, you know, this is playing and this is what the team needs, and sometimes it's going to come off and sometimes it's not. But we understand and respect that you are doing what, you know, you're, you're playing the way in which the team needs. Um, and sometimes, you know, that might be going up a gear and sometimes that might be going down a gear. But there was just real clarity and real settled, um, you know, team and, and environment that led us to obviously be able to do what we did.
0: With a team that's kind of had that success and is so competitive within international cricket, how frustrating was it with the World Cup this year and the way that ended with the not be not a ball being bowled in the semi-final and the ruling meaning India went through? Do you think there needs to be a rule change with that from the ICC because it seems. From a fan point of view, poor organisation not to even have a reserve day. Yeah, I
1: think so. I think we almost got warning signs in the T20 World Cup that was in October in the Caribbean as well because there were so many games that were lost to poor weather. Um, and even of the day of the final, that, the final was obviously in the night for that previous World Cup, but it rained all day and it was like, oh God, is this game going to get washed out, the World Cup final? Unfortunately, we got on. But it was even then it was, you know, it was squeaky bum time with with the weather there. And then for it to to obviously completely knock us out um, in Sydney was just devastating, really. And I think ah, uh, I just it's just really disappointing from an organisation point of view. And I don't think that people realise how much playing in World Cups and how much effort and time and effort and you know it consumes you. It's your absolute dream every time you get to play in a world cup um and for it to just be ended like that with so out of your control and no real second chance of you know of a of a game is just it's just so disappointing and you know hopefully we're the only we're the last team that has to suffer in such a way that they you know they now look at the ruling and and change um the rules in regards to in regards to rain days, because, like I said, it's just so disappointing to go out in that fashion. And then it was it was a bit of a kick in the teeth to then, you know, the pain of watching the final and how that then panned out it was almost a sense of, you know, I felt like we would have given them a better run for their money on the day um, should we have had the opportunity. And it's just, yeah, like I say... I, you know, rules are rules, and I completely understand that. But it's just so disappointing as a player, and for you know, for supporters and fans that get behind the team, um, for it to for it to just come to a grounded halt like that is, you know, it's really disappointing. And you wait in another, you know, you've got to wait your turn until the next T Twenty World comes comes around again, and it's, you know, you're longing for that opportunity to put your best foot forward again.
0: In terms of the kind of whole cricket picture, it almost seems with kind of ruling out due to rain, almost as if it kind of devalues slightly, the tournament slightly by doing that. What was kind of your, what, what do you feel about that? About?
1: Yeah, I think, oh, it's a really difficult one because, you know, India played some fantastic cricket throughout um, you know, all of the teams that progressed through to the semi finals, they were the best teams in the competition. Um and India have played you know, they're they're a fantastic team and they've they've played some great cricket throughout the tournament. It just yeah, like you say, I think as a player, you know, we always we were saying, you know, as we were watching the rain bomb it down, um, you'd rather go through with an opportunity to play than get a free pass. Like you say almost devalues the the final um, if you if you get the opportunity to be there w- without having um, had to fight your corner and show how good you can be and be put under pressure um, so I think yeah like as, as a player you never want an easy ride there you want to absolutely deserve to be there and you know not saying that India didn't deserve to be there by all means but like you say it does slightly feel like a bit of a free pass and um a slightly devalued final really
0: so going back to the start of your career and domestically what has kind of been your journey
1: up to Uh, England really I always kind of played all sports really like um Growing up, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily. Oh, she'll definitely be a cricketer. That's her. That's her sport. I played all sports growing up as a kid. Um, I was actually quite a late bloomer in terms of channeling, you know, everything into a single sport. Um, it wasn't really until I went to university at Loughborough where I properly put my heart and soul into just cricket. Um, so yeah, like I said, that was when I really started to train and to to kind of channel my energy towards towards playing cricket and to obviously aspire to playing cricket for England. But up until then it was always cricket and football. Um was playing cricket for Yorkshire and went through all the age group stuff there. Um and was playing football at Leeds United and it was it was kind of one of them where it was you know, football would get annoyed with cricket because I'd miss a few games at the start of the season and then cricket would get annoyed with football because I'd do my ankle and then miss a bit of cricket. Um, so, yeah, like there, there came a point when I just, you know, I just decided to to, to stop playing football and, and just keep playing cricket really. But, um, like I said, I was just a sporty kid. I just loved all sports um, and it wasn't until a bit later on and like I said, it was probably... Playing like County first team cricket against the likes of Charlotte Edwards and Lydia Greenway um, where I then thought, no I want to give cricket a really good go here you know it'd be pretty cool to play for my country and and there's a real opportunity to do that and that was seen by playing against those kind of players um, but up until that point, I didn't really see it as a you know as a viable option for a for a young girl really.
0: you mentioned those figures such as Charlotte Edwards who are inspirational in getting more participation into the sport but who were kind of other figures that you feel are important and maybe on an individual sense who are the figures that helped you on your journey yeah I mean to be honest like my role
1: models growing up were always like the male cricketers because that's the only kind of um cricket that I watched you know like watching Ash's series on tv and stuff in the summer that was kind of the only, like i say the only cricket i watched so it was like freddie flintoff and alex stewart and those you know like kept watching kevin peterson um those kind of players grow up and then in terms of i was just really lucky like my um my cricket club when i was a kid is still my cricket club that i go down to now and help with the little all-stars and go and watch the, the lads if they're playing on a Saturday um, but I had just a really good coach at Stamford Bridge in, in Graham Tipping who he's now actually involved in the Yorkshire um, pathway stuff with the boys but he was a really really passionate coach knew his stuff was really keen um, to work with me and kind of give me one-to-ones and stuff like that and um, and then my probably my next the the biggest impact on my career was when I went to Loughborough University, um, and Graham Dilly was the coach there at the time. So the the female coach was um, Sally Ann Briggs, but the the male head coach of the MCCU was Graeme Dilly, and uh, Sally Ann had said to me, you know, I think you should come to uni. You can do your cricket um, almost like semi professional, really not obviously not getting paid but in terms of the programme that they offered. Uh and do your uni, get your degree and then see what you want to do. Um so at the time I was a bit lost. I didn't really know what I wanted to do with myself and or what I wanted to do for a job or a career. So I thought, Oh, you know what, I'll give it give it a go. That seems like a good balance of being able to, you know, do my sport and commit to that but also if all else fails I've I've got myself a degree. Um but Dills was the first person that kind of said to me, you know, we, he really took me under his wing. He was almost like a father figure to me at uni. And, he'd, you know, he'd said to me, you know, mate, I think you can be a really good cricketer if you, if you get your head down and work hard and, you know, and if you really want it. Um, and I think it's one of them where it's like you kind of don't believe in yourself until somebody else believes in you. And he was the first person who really you know, he, like he said to me, you've got, you're an unbelievable talent, but nothing to give given. You've got to work for it and stop going out to out on the drink at uni and get, get yourselves in the net and, and in the gym and stuff. Um, and from that moment I was all in, to be honest. Um, it was just like, right. Okay. I'm going to give this a red hot go. Um, you know, I was always asking for extra next sessions, hitting more balls, last person to leave the gym. Um, I just kind of flicked a switch, really. It was, you know, for him to say something like that to me, obviously being an, an ex-professional cricketer and a legend of the game, um, I was just like, well, i would be bloody stupid if I didn't give it a go then, didn't I? Um and that was that pretty much like I say, flicked the switch and then I was I was all in and I was you know, just did everything I could to to try and give myself the best chance and be as good as I could be and like I say, that Loughborough Union was probably the catalyst of a lot of my development just in terms of hit more balls, to be at the you know, at the National Performance Centre in Loughborough. Um and just to have like Almost like a professional setup at, on the MCCU. Um, so that was probably, like I say, my club coach was fantastic in terms of um, giving me his time when I was, you know, when I was still a young pup. Um, but also, he was more than just a, like a club standard coach. He he really knew his stuff. Um, and secondly, obviously, you know, Graham Dilliot. Love for uni.
0: I can imagine they were all quite proud when you went on to play for Yorkshire, and not only play for Yorkshire but captain Yorkshire. How is it to be able to say that you captain Yorkshire, which is such a
1: yeah, proud honestly, Yorkshire encounter? means the absolute world to me. And like I say, I, I feel like I'm, well, I'm, I'm definitely very loyal person. You know, in terms of. Like I said, I would still try and go down and help with the All Stars at my local cricket club from where I you know, where I grew up in York. Um and I'm very much the same with Yorkshire, you know, I wouldn't be playing and living out my dream playing for England if I didn't have, you know, that progression through the Yorkshire age groups. Um and it's, like I say, like I, I almost I put a lot of pressure on myself because I just want the club to succeed, and I really want to do well for the club, and lead the club, you know, passionately and and to success. Um, so I definitely put a lot of pressure on myself with that. I almost don't allow myself the same freedom as you would be if you didn't care as much um, about your roots and about the club, but. You know, it's it, it is it's a part of me and it's a part of my roots and it's something that I never really want to lose. Um you know, as long as the club will always want you know, want me then it's it's where I always want to play my cricket. Um it doesn't mean that, you know, there's some things that you you know, you wish you got more support in certain areas from the club, you know, as as the women's cricket doesn't always get. Um there's obviously still a work in progress with, with some areas of that. But in terms of, you know, there's no other county or club that I would ever, you know, rather represent. Um, and I just feel like, you know, I, I think a lot of people, they're kind of tainted views on all these franchise competitions and stuff. And it is nice to see local players representing, you know, those, those local sides. And it, it always means that a little bit more. I think to the fans and and to the players themselves, um, but you know whether you're the Northern Superchargers or the Yorkshire Diamonds or whatever, it's you're still a Yorkshire person and you're still, you know, you're still representing the roots. So that's the most important bit. Um, but yeah, like I said, playing for Yorkshire, people, I people always say, you know, you play for England and. Um, talking about, you know, playing for Yorkshire and stuff, it means just as much to me to play for Yorkshire as it does to England. Like I said at times I almost put more pressure on myself playing for Yorkshire because I just really wanna do well. Um and wanna do well for the club and you know, to see us to see us improve in, in and how we're getting on in these competitions and stuff. But I feel like things are very much moving in the right direction. They've got some good people in place with, um, obviously with Danny Hazel coming on board as the coach. I know there's been a lot of movement staff-wise with, with, um, with this regional 50-over competition that's looking to begin this year, hopefully. Um, so I think they're making really positive strides as a club. Um and certainly, in terms of how they you know how they're t- treating the women and how they're supporting the women's side of the club is is come on leaps and bounds really
0: do you think that passion that people in Yorkshire have for the county is something that you don't quite get many places yeah, else, right. especially we're in just, cricket
1: i don't know we're just bloody stubborn, aren't we northern uh, <laughs> well, I'm yeah. I like, I was trying to explain. Well, I was talking to my wife about this because I was, she's a Queenslander and they're a little bit like, oh, so Queensland hates Sydney because Sydney are like the southerners to us. Um, and you know, she was saying, Oh, if you're a Queenslander, you don't want to play for anyone but Queensland. And I was like, I feel like that's it, Yorkshire, or or maybe even. You know, I hate to say the L word, but Lancashire, like the northern team, seem to, be, <laughs> seem to be so embedded in their roots and so passionate about where they're from. There's just a huge sense of pride. I don't know. Like I say, I've only ever lived in the north, and that's, that's how I feel. But I certainly, I certainly feel like that is definitely the case. And you, like you see the, the stubborn Yorkshire fans who, you know, if Yorkshire aren't doing well, they're hurt like hell. Um, and they absolutely love to see the team do well. So, yeah, I feel like I feel like it is something about Yorkshire and the North that that people are hugely proud of where they're from and have a great sense of pride in representing the the club, but also getting behind the club. And I think Leeds, especially, is a special place for sport. You've obviously got you know you've got the football team, you've got. On the back of the stadium, you've got the rhinos, and then you've got the cricket. So it's a huge, like, sporting hotbed and a big part of the city as well.
0: So on our Ballers Blog Ball podcast, the final bit we do of each podcast is where we get our guest to do a top five. So we're doing top five players you've played with throughout. Say your that career. again. So
1: the top five players I've played with throughout my career. Yeah, Catherine Brunt, Charlotte Edwards, ooh, Sophie Devine. Uh, mm, who else? Sophie Eccleston, and I, I hate to say it because she's a Aussie but Alyssa Healy.
0: Fantastic yeah. <laughs> side, that. What What are the kind of qualities and some um, of those players that you kind of admire from Brittany's playing with them? I think
1: always someone like she's one of my really good pals, but she's someone who I've always admired because she's just so resilient, um, and so hundred percent all in. Would do absolutely anything, um. You know, she does everything at full tilt for the team and will put her body on the line a 100 times over. Um, but more so the just the, like I say, she's bounced back from so many injuries across her career. And at times we've seen her in all sorts of states getting flown home on series and tournaments. Um, and just to keep bouncing back, I think that's a huge quality that I admire in her. Um and just like I say, just how much she cares and how much she's all in every time she plays. The thing about Soph and Alyssa is a bit similar. Like they haven't always, Soph maybe a bit more so, but Alyssa less so. They haven't always been at the top of the game. So Alyssa from, for a lot of years played for a long time but never really made her stamp on things. And I think I remember as when we... Um, when we played the Ashes one time over in Australia and she was giving us loads of stick behind the stumps and she had an average of nine. And it was like, mate, <laughs> you want <having> to have to get of before you start chirping. Um, but like, how good they've been kind of late on in their career. Um, and just that, you know, just keep getting back on the horse and, and obviously they've both come off really good, really good years. Um, I reckon just probably just stripping back their expectations as well and just letting themselves play a little bit more freely. Um, but, yeah, that kind of that carefree attitude they bring to batting in the way they go about their business, but also that it's not always been that way for them. Um, like I said, they've played, at they least more so than so, so it's kind of always been up there as an all-rounder. Um but yeah, like it like I say, that the way that they've almost flicked the switch and suddenly become you know, one good year and everything changes for you.
0: I think that's a great point to kind of conclude this podcast. I'm aware we're probably running on quite a bit. Thank you, yeah, thank very, you much very much for joining us, Lauren. It's been very interesting no worries, no problem. to ev everything in your story. I hope you, we, we all yeah. hope to see you out on a cricket field as soon as possible once again. And hopefully, you know, everyone's Brilliant. well Thanks, out boys. there it's in Australia. Hope care. you stay safe.
1: See you. Bye. Take Thank care. bye Nice
0: to talk to you. Thank you very much to Lauren for joining us and sharing her thoughts on the 100 and her story of the Cricket World Cup in 2017. I apologise if there's been any technical issues with this episode, as recording from England to Australia is a difficult one, but I think we managed to get away with it. Thank you very much for listening. Get in touch with us at BallersBlog1 on Twitter, at Ballers Blog Sports on Instagram. Tell us what you want us to produce and who you want us to have on and we'll try our best to see what happens. Thank you very much for listening once again. Stay safe. See you next week.